Hi class, this is week three, chapter three from entrepreneur class. That will do, we're gonna just start with the chapter three. Let me share the screen with you. Wonderful. And here we go. In the chapter three today, we will be talking about um, the entrepreneurial uh, perspectives. Generating and exploiting uh, uh, new entries. This is the chapter is all about. So um, in this chapter, what will happen? Um, a new entry is one of the essential uh, acts of entrepreneurship. And as we said, a newness can be both a good or bad. So it has the two uh optionals in it so um entrepreneurial strategy maximize the benefit uh, of uh, of newness and minimize its costs and the elements include the generation of a new opportunity, the exploitation of a new entry opportunity, and the feedback loop. Today we will be talking about mostly about the generation of a new uh, entry opportunity and the exploitation of a new entry opportunity. But keep in mind, uh, the feedback loop is very important to do that. So. Um, if the new entry is exploited, performance depend on entry strategy, the risk reduction strategy, the way the firm is organized and the competence and the entrepreneur and management team. We will talk about these in a more detailed base, each one of them. So, as we said, if the new entry exploited, then there is all these for the new uh, the entry strategy, how you enter the market, the risk reduction strategy, the new way of, of the firm is organized, and the competence of the entrepreneur and the management team. Now, um, generation of a new entry opportunity, the resource are the building blocks. Combine the resource in various ways to achieve the superior performance. So you have multiple resources, like you know the manpower, the people who knows the market, the product that you have, <clears throat> the add-on that you have. You can combine all these together in order to have a superior performance. In the valuable, if it allows the firm to pursue pursue the opportunity, naturalize the threat, and offer a product and service valued by the customer. So when you see this newness uh, interesting is if you can naturalize the threats, uh, competition and all these, and you can pursue this opportunity and offer uh, something uh, uh, new or not new, doesn't matter, customized product and service that the most important that the customer value it. Rare when a few or no competitors uh, have it. So um, these days you will find anywhere you go, they have everything and there is a competitor. So your goal is really to customize it a little bit, adjust it a little bit, whether it's a product or a service where the customer sees a value in it and imitable when uh, replicating the bundle is difficult and or costly. So when you're providing a service or a product, you wanna make sure you bundle it in a way that is difficult, the competition uh, can compete with you on it. So the basis for entrepreneurial resources is the knowledge built up over the time through the experience and therefore rare 
I will give you a good example to understand what I mean here. The, but the, the entrepreneur market knowledge is deeper than knowledge gained through market research. That's one point. The second thing, entrepreneurs who lack this knowledge are less likely to recognize, uh, create attractiveness for a new product or a new market. As an example, <clears throat> if you don't understand the market, I mean, see, the first time I went to Iraq, um, I went there on behalf of uh, uh, a company called uh, uh, Tijari.com. It's located in Dubai. So we went there and believe it, we did, we did, we did the e-commerce in, I think it was 2006, 2006 or 2005. And we failed miserably there. And the reason, because we didn't have that much knowledge about the market or the technology there. But then when I went back and I got an offer by the ITS to go in second time, two years down the road, there where I had enough knowledge experience uh, about the market where I was very successful because it, it came a combination of my education, my experience, and a knowledge of that market. So through these three things, I was able to set up the business in a way where, you know, we were in a safe zone doing a business for a few years and nobody is competing with us and we were maximizing our profit and we were doing fine. And that's driven not only from doing a marketing research because first time we did a market research and we found out that the market, uh, you know, there is a demand for this market or there is a possibility of doing such a business. But when we went there, because we don't have the knowledge, we end up, and the experience, we end up failing in it. But the second time, we also done the marketing research and we know there is a market for us, but this time it came with a combination of knowledge, uh, an extra knowledge or experience of the market, which has made the venture very successful. So when you have a different resources or a resource bundle, is, uh, is the basis for a new entry created from the entrepreneur's market and the technological knowledge and the other uh, resources. So I had a combination of resources like uh, my experience in the market, um, my education and uh, uh, knowledge, technology knowledge that I had and other resources which is I had teams and companies are willing to support me to do the, this entrepreneurship uh, starting the business in, in this country. <clears throat> so the, uh, assessing the attractiveness of a new opportunity, new entry opportunity is through the following considerations help the entrepreneur Determine if the product is valuable, rare, inimitable, and worth pursuing. <clears throat> Information on a new entry. That's help you to estimate um, whether the product is uh, acceptable by the customers. The windows of opportunity that might be open now, but maybe be shut later on. For example, um, we had an understanding for the telco companies that if we establish a business there or we will be a representative there, we're going to get the business for these two telco companies potentially. So this is one of the reasons I went there. But in the same time, I was also working on the higher education, uh, trying to establish the business of higher education also in Iraq. So the windows of opportunity, if we didn't take it, we could have you know, lost the opportunity to win that deal. And the comfort zone in the decision under uncertainty. So there was too, too much uncertainty and 
we had to make a choice between the error of commission or the error of omission. And we decided to do uh, the error of commission, which is let's go and try and see if we can win. So we didn't take so much resources. It was me and my assistant went there and started working on it. And uh, if we left it, well, probably somebody uh, from other country would have came in and took over that. So we didn't want to do an error of omission. We wanted to do a, an error of commission. If we made a mistake, we're not investing that much. So when you do business in the market, you try to see the both. Should I go for it? And if I go for it, what I'm and I lose what I'm going to lose. And when I go for it, I'm not going for it, what I'm losing. So the the loss of opportunity, the opportunity that you're not gaining, some people, especially the entrepreneurs, see it as a loss. They don't see people not non non entrepreneur if they don't persuade the business, they don't see it as a loss. Entrepreneurs usually, if they don't persuade this business, they see it as, as a loss. The assessment of uh, the assessment, I'm sorry. Um, the assessment of a new entry attractiveness is less about um, the opportunity exists and more about the entrepreneur believing that they can make it work with entrepreneurial strategies. It is your, as an entrepreneur, if you believe that you can make it with a certain strategy, when you walk into certain market, a new market or a new, bring a new product or a new market in a new product, uh, and you know that there is a certain strategy you can work it out where it's going to be successful, then it would be wise. This is how you are interested in entering this market. So the assessment of a new entry's attractiveness is less about the opportunity exists. It's more about the entrepreneur believing he can do that work. <clears throat> and then we said with chapter one, uh, Lots of people see there is opportunities. The second part, um, you need to see this opportunity. Is it for you or for somebody else? If it's for you, then you probably, the third part is you need to pursue, pursue it. So um, why you wanna be the first mover entry strategy? It's the most interesting part of this is, is very rich, um, uh, satisfactory in it, but let's summarize it, is the fact that um, first movers develop the cost advantage. Because you're a first mover, uh, usually uh, you have a, a less cost because um, in a way, you can price it as, as, as much as you want. And also you don't have um, sometimes that uh, cost advantage. Uh, you have a cost advantage for, for it. First mover face less competitive rivalry. As I said, we went there and we were the first people to do this business of telecommunication in Iraq and higher education. So we didn't have the competition. So we were having invited by oil companies, by you know, big universities, by telco, just to talk to the top management to explain to them our solution and how can it help them. The first mover can secure important suppliers and channel of distribution. There was lots of suppliers are willing to go in that time in Iraq, but they were afraid, they were not sure. So when they saw this company is walking there, driving there, everybody were interested to provide you, supply you and provide the channels of distribution. Not only that, you utilize that for other businesses also, because you're doing it some favor in a way. They look at it as you're doing him a favor doing this to company 
the supplier a favor to take them there. Uh, so you can also strike some favors in other countries or in other products and all these things. So there is lots of positive things also that uh, other might not see it. <clears throat> First mover are a better position to satisfy the customer because you already the customer is, they have not established the standard. And the customer, how they would be, you know, establishing the standard mostly through comparison with others, other products that it's competitive with you. So when you are the first mover, there is no competition with you. So this, uh, so it's easy to, to satisfy the customer, and customer usually appreciate your approach to them to provide them the solution where you can get a loyalties from them. And with the first mover, gain expertise through participation. So we went there, we, I found out, we failed, we came back, and then I joined another company who is interested to go there, but this time I knew what I'm supposed to do. And I gained the expertise. And, but keep in mind, as I said, the first mover, do not always prosper uh, prosperous as we did as I did in the first deal we didn't get any far with it and uh, we didn't do well in it but then the second one we did well so you want to make sure that uh, not when you are a first mover you do some have a positive feeling about it and you do have some at least uh, qu uh, qualities plus some uh, studies, uh, informational background. <clears throat> and as we said, the first mover advantage must outweigh the disadvantage. And it's all depend on how the environment is stable. And sometimes instability can do better, but mostly we work on a stable environment. And uh, the second thing, you are able to educate the customers. If the customers, I had some customers, which is uh, two universities, one of them, they just blocked me out. They didn't want to educate themselves and they supposed to be University of Science and Technology. On the other hand, I had a other university who's been, most of these students, most of these leaders of that university, they were studying outside or working outside. So. It was easy for them, easy for me to educate them. On so the customers needs to be ability to educate them because it's a new product or a new service that you are offering them. And keep in mind while you're doing that, you want to make sure that you erect or increase the barriers to entry and imitation to extend the firm that. Uh, firms lead time. So you want to make sure when you're walking in there with your product, you there is a barriers of entries uh, for the others to come in. So you have enough time to stay, to keep staying ahead of them and, and hard for them to imitate you. I'll give you a good example. It comes with the knowledge and experience. And this is why I said, you gain your knowledge here and you go three, four years working in a company, you gain your experience and a combination of these two can help you so much. Because I work so much with the higher education, I know right away what university it needs and what kind of set of solution that they need. And they could be up to a 20, type, 20 different kind of software that's integrated to each other. But then I know right away there is two main pillar software in education. One that's called content management system and one's called um, student information system or the administration itself. And any other application, doesn't matter what kind of application, they have to be integrated to these two or to one of them. And this is came from the experience uh, that I had. So what, I, what we did is we went and had these two application set up 
because of the experience that I had and the knowledge. Once we set up this, we became the gateway for any other application who's interested to come in because they have to be integrated to our solution. If you're a financial, you need to integrate it to our SIS. If you are a e-learning solution, you need to integrate it with the CMS and SIS. So we close the gate because if you didn't have these two applications running and you had one, the other person can come up with another one and integrate all the solution through that one. But if we had these two running same time and we own them, so nobody can integrate. See, this, this whole thing comes in with the experience uh, through the work with other companies. This is why I said after the graduation and again in the space knowledge, you need to look at working with the companies that they are very advanced in the field that you want to work in it so that you gain experience, you understand on that. So when they came, somebody like Microsoft or SAP trying to push their application on the universities, they said, okay, go and talk to Faisal and his team because <clears throat> we already have this IS and CMS, so you need to integrate to them. And they came and then here where you also can gain, make more money, uh, they can take you somewhere, other account, and you kind of put them in a, in a field, there's no way but to cooperate with you. So, next stage, environmental instability, first mover uh, advantage or disadvantage. As we said in the, in, in the beginning of this chapter, it could be a, a, a instability as an advantage or could be in disadvantage. Um, so, the performance depends on uh, the fit between the firm's bundle of resources and the external environment. So if you have the bundle for a good fit, first determine the key success factor. The environmental change are likely in emerging industries. So the good success factor you have to determine. You need people who is local, can meet the, the decision maker and set you up with this meeting in the beginning or get to know you about you. The second thing, probably you need the product that is really good fit and determine the success for you. And the product that can make sure that quick create barriers so the competition cannot come in. So these are the things, the, uh, if it's, it's uh, you know, uh, environment instabilities, in the environment instabilities, also you can make more profit, by the way, than if it's a stable. So the entrepreneur faces demand and technological uncertainty. The whole idea when I walked in there, we needed things, we needed to know about things, we got things ready, which is we didn't know, I didn't know first time. Like a power generator, we, the first thing I did about a power generator to make sure all my, all the offices is running fine. We got a very fast internet, well connected to the, uh, our offices. These are all technological things that I needed to set up and because if I walked in first time, I wasn't uncertain about it. So I would have gone and said, oh, there's no electricity. How are we gonna find the electricity? All these things. Oh, there is, I don't know, uh, I need a driver, I need a car. So these are small things that the technological uncertainties might slow you down or kill your business. So you wanted to have, make sure that you're aware of these. So the demand, uncertainty makes it difficult to estimate the future demand. The other thing, you come in and maybe the th something outside happened. Um, the, the last case that we worked on it is we're about to sign a contract and suddenly oh, the country became unstable uh, because of the oil situation or because of you know the war situation. So these things, uh, it might kill the demand 
for having a better education and advance on it. So demand uncertainty makes it difficult to estimate the future demand really. First mover must often commit to a new and proven technology resulting in the technological uncertainty. If you're going to, um, to a place that there is a technological uncertainty, you have to have this feeling that you committed to it. And it's sweet that you are the first person who wants to try and trying, and you're not afraid of failing. So you need to be committed to it. Uh, but uh, when demand is unstable or the technology uncertainty is high, first mover disadvantage may outweigh the first mover advantage. So if you don't have enough knowledge about the market, experience, not knowledge, experience, because the knowledge you built it in a probably university and working with with the companies, but if you're going with a new product uh, or, uh, uh, you know, you might run to uncertainty and there is some solution to manage uh, this disadvantage. How would you manage this disadvantage is there is option that you have. Now, and we will be talking about it. The customer uncertainty and the first mover disadvantage. The element of a newness, we said, may mean uncertainty of customers, for customers. So the customers are not sure about it. There is ways of making the customers uh, aware of it. First, as we said, is education. Second, uh, references. Uh, they may be uncertain about how to use a product or what's the benefit. So what we did, we, we faced some university who they never used this application before, these applications before. And in, in case of uh, telecommunication, these people already traveling from, they're working outside and they know about the billing system and the, and the tabs that the application has. But in university, they didn't know about my, the solution that I'm offering. So, I educated them, I showed them how the solution can help them, but that wasn't enough. So I took them out and they sat with other universities who has implemented these applications. And they told them, they educated them how better they became by utilizing these applications. Um, and it's not within the country, they were outside, but they were glad to talk to each other just to understand how they've been improved through my product, our product, and through our services. So to reduce this uncertainty, entrepreneurs can offer informational advertising or use a comparison marketing also. But the third one is references. When the product is highly innovative, the, the customer may lack of a frame of references for a processing product information. And here where your first goal is really to establish a references. Because a reference, a positive reference can help you to close lots of deals and to shorten your, uh, e making the, your business easier. A good reference is a positive references. And it's okay if you break even or you know, invest into the first reference, time, effort, or even some money. But as long as you establish your first reference, then it's easy for you to move on with others to do business with them. By delaying entry in a market requiring considerable education, the firm might benefit from the investment of the first movers. So let's say there is uncertainties, education, people don't know the product you're offering. So you might wait not to be the first mover and have somebody to go first. This is a very risky, 
but is it's also on the other side is we put you in a safe because you just watched the first mover and try to move after the first mover uh, without lots of time or before they create the barriers or other start moving in. So you keep an eye on the first mover and see when's the best time to move in. But on the other hand, first mover can have the advantage when education directs the customer's preference. Because here where you the talk about your product and educate them, they will have two things. First, they know, they feel that you are there for them and this is what makes you, they make you, they feel loyal to you. And the second thing, uh, you educate them on that base. You, in a way, brainwash them, but you're not brainwash them, but you set up their standards so that anybody else comes in, the first thing they're gonna ask, they will probably, information that you're gonna uh, give to them, they will cross check it with them. And believe me, this one makes it more toward you positive. They might come back to you even with seeing, with seeing the competitor and come back to you and say, well, the competition came to me and told me this, this is, what do you think about it? Because there's already, you already established this trust between, and you became as a consultant, not as a, somebody who is selling and throwing products and running away. So first mover can have an advantage when education directs customer preference to the firm product. When the firm is seen as a founder and when the firm can erect barriers, entries and limitation. So we, I was educating them. And then when they went and saw their universities, the others told him, well, uh, his nickname is King of Education. So they were seeing me as a founder in, in, in that area for education. And we, as actually I was the first people who walks in there. So I'm the founder for that concept. And when the firm can, and then I, I created the barrier, technological barrier, which is putting SIS and CMS. So uh, it was hard to uh, enter for others and it's hard to imitate. Now, furthermore, entry barriers provide a grace period of limited competition. So we know the competition will walk in and we know the competition is much richer, bigger and stronger, all these things with us. But we created enough barriers where we had enough time to establish our name and our business and our product. So this lead time, the first mover prepared for the future competition. So the other one, they came in, they had to compete with us. We didn't have to compete with them. And uh, our competition with them was less compared to what they are. So they had to offer way more than we did uh, in order to gain a business. The first mover can also extend the lead time by using barrier to interest, like uh, you're building a customer loyalties because you are teaching them, you educate them, and when you educate them, they will probably gain the, no the power of the knowledge, and this power of knowledge will promote them, will put them in a very uh, uh, symbolic situation. And uh, there is a term, we always use it, uh, we look, it's called look for the champion. And the champions within the organization are the ones who is hungry for knowledge and wants to implement your deal because they wanna be champion with their organization. Um, the second thing is building a switching cost. So you have to give an option of cost if it's necessary. So if the competition comes in, uh, compete with you over the prices, you have options where you give a switching cost in it. Um, protecting your product uniqueness and the uniqueness you, when you have the experience 
in the knowledge, you know how to make your product experience. In the field of IT, for, for example, you can do a localization, customization, arabization, extra extension for certain businesses there. These are all makes it unique for you. Let me give you a good example. In the old days, you might not, don't know Oracle or if you know Oracle, they used to come and knock the door on, on us, just saying, please, please sell, uh, implement a full suite of ERP for Oracle. And we didn't. And the reason, because we know if we implemented a full Oracle, the competition can walk into our businesses. And we had a very lucrative businesses with the oil companies. So what we did, we brought two different databases, and we brought uh, an Oracle Financial and IBM HR integrated together. Database, we brought an Oracle RDBMS and IBM, which is uh, DB2, and integrated them. And all this headache, just to give an extension that we have customized it for the oil companies that Oracle ERP cannot provide it. So we, we secure success to important sources of uh, supply and distribution, but in the same time, we protected our product uniqueness. So whenever Oracle or SAP walked in direct and said, we are Oracle, we are SAP, listen to us, they tell them, well, can you do this for us? They would say, no, it's, it's, we're in the process of developing such thing. They say, then okay, see you later, or go talk to ITS and let the ITS tell us what we, whether it's okay or not. So this is where you, when you do your product, you need to uh, protect your product or your service uniqueness, which is the niche that you can, the other don't have it. The barrier to entry reduced the competition. So I guess we didn't have anybody compete with us because we were the first people who went to the customer and we know exactly what they are not finding in the, in the services that others offering. And we went and invested in that and we gave them and then we generated way, way more than we other expected that. And we were the focus in these oil companies in UAE uh, and making tons of money. And, and the suppliers such as IBM and Oracle and Microsoft were knocking on our doors because we hold the winning card. And I did the same strategy from there because I worked it. When I went to Iraq, I did the same strategy that I learned it and, and gained that experience in working with these oil companies. Now, barrier to entry reduce the competition, as we said. If there is insufficient customer demand, consider allowing the competitor into the industry to share the pioneering costs. Now, you might have your partners or the competition walks in and pour in the knowledge, the information, let them come in and start presenting and increasing the industry knowledge so they can share the cost. And for you, you instead of sharing the, the startup cost, they will share this, you know, the marketing, the advertising, the information, all the consulting with them. And makes it, and then you keep in mind what's your uniqueness, you come up with your uniqueness later on. In the same field, in the risk reduction strategies for a new entry exploitation, and a new entity always involved in some considerable risk. There is a risk definitely when you start a business, but it needs a brave person with a strong heart and strong belief to take the calculated risk. I'm not saying take risk, you take a calculated risk. 
So the choice of the market scope range from narrow to a broad scope strategy, depending on the risk of tar targeted for reduction. Let's assume you have a big market and this market like Canada, and you have a new product or service you wanna import it and you wanna export it here. You don't wanna, which one of the options? First, you can go all over Canada. And the second option is to focus, for example, only Ontario. And it depends on uh, your strategy and how you minimize your risk. If the chance of striking a business is very slim, is preferably you need to focus in one area first and then you go broad. And if there is a chance of you don't know where is the first business is it going to be strike in manitoba or bc or ontario then you probably need to go abroad is this is how you establish where you how you're supposed to take the risk so in the case of an autoscope strategy offers a small product range to a small number of customers so you know your these people will be buying will be utilizing you offer them and you focus on that vulnerability to the risk the market demand does not materialize or change over time a broad scope strategy takes a portfolio approach and offer a range of products here sometimes you you have a multiple products that you are targeting ontario and once you have one product you're targeting the whole country and the both are a broad scope strategy. If the entry involves in creation of a new market, a broad scope strategy reduces the major risk of uncertainty over customer preferences. What does that mean? Means that you can give him, uh, if you have a red apple, green apple, yellow apple, a person wants an apple, you have all the options. That's one thing. So that's a broad strategy. And if you have only a red apple, don't keep it for one person, just show it. Show it to everybody. So one people comes in, some people comes in and take that, this, uh, this apple. So this is the broad strategy that you need to build to minimize uh, the major risk of uncertainty because you don't know who is going to take this red apple that you have. or you don't know the person who's going to buy from you what kind of apple he likes so these you keep the option the two options in your mind and as we say um, you need to to knock 10 doors to have one door open if you knock nine you might not be able to have the because it may be the door number 10. so if you want to have one door open you need to knock 10 doors if you want to have 10 doors open, you need to knock 100 doors. It's matter of numbers also, when it comes the deals, but also it comes with the guts feeling that you have. If you don't have that concept of coming with a new product, there is something called the imitation strategy. And you know, Bollywood is, does that a lot. Um, you, when we're traveling overseas, we see lots of imitation is happening, and you know, lots of uh, try, uh, lots of countries trying to imitate whatever the advanced country like in Canada or states they imitate that. And one of the biggest business of USA is other countries in some field they're trying to imitate them. So imitation strategy is another strategies to minimize the risk. In other words, imitation is easier than conducting a systematic and expensive search. I'm walking to a city where I see uh, lots of burger uh, uh, McDonald's there. So I can make a restaurant look like McDonald's and start selling a burgers there because I know people will buy that. That's one, one of the imitation. Imitation successful practice 
helps the entrepreneur to develop skills necessary for the industry success. So if you build something like McDonald's and you start in, in India or in China or anywhere else and try to imitate them, you can gain the experience and this experience will develop more success in your life. Imitation provide also organization legitimities. Um, if we have one restaurant who makes burgers, but they don't look like McDonald's, and we have a restaurant that makes burger but looks like McDonald's, you think, the, the customer think, the restaurant who looks like McDonald's is more legitimate or more gives you more uh, uh, legitimacy. So for example, when I was in Erbil, uh, north of Iraq, uh, they, they were in the beginning, they didn't give them, it's a very safe zone and a good business center. But second cup did not give them uh, license to operate. So the person imitated something look like second cup. And the funny thing, there was some, uh, another restaurant, which another coffee shop, which is, looks like a Starbucks also imitated because they didn't get the license. So they went and imitated. And the funny thing, even the cups, even I was confused when I walked in there who've been living here, I, I wasn't sure if this is a second cup or not, but then I had a, I tasted the, the, the coffee is, I could tell the differences, but the regular people comes in and they think is more, it's a second cup. And also when they go to Starbucks, it's a, oh, okay, that's a Starbucks. And a good part of it, this person opened, it was very busy, uh, open uh, second cup lookalike just beside the Pizza Hut. And the Pizza Hut, it was a legitimate one a normal, a full license Pizza Hut. So you're looking at the Pizza Hut and a full license, and you know this is an, an international license franchise, not thinking that the, that second cup is not licensed. So it gives you more feeling of uh, uh, imitation. And, and imitation uh, legitimacy. Imitation strategies include Franchising and Me Too strategy. In the Me Too strategy, variation may be minor product changes, just like what I said about the second cup in, in our bill. Or it could be the next door guy, which is this Pizza Hut, the real Pizza Hut, which is the way doing this. And entering a new market is like in the Me Too strategy, variation may be minor product changes entering a new market or delivering uh, the product in a different way. There is something where they cannot sh shut you down for um, patent or copyright or you know uh, the competition. So they cannot do that. An imitation strategy may reduce the research and development costs, R&D costs, because you're just copycatting a coffee place. You probably bring some waiter and some person who works in the back in the restaurant, give him more money and he comes in and makes exactly the same coffee. That reduces the customer uncertainty sometimes also and provide immediately because when you're drinking that second cup coffee and you go there and you drink some very slight changes that nobody can notice except people who always goes for the second cup. They can find the differences there. So managing a newness, a creation of organization offer some liabilities um, of a newness. Sometimes, we said a new product or a new market or a new product in a new market or a new organization. That's another way of a newness. And in the new organization is liabilities comes from learning a new task, which is, you know, curve of learning of curve, uh, 
is that it's expensive and takes time. The second thing, the role of responsibility may overlap or have some gap. So there are also gonna be inefficiencies going on there. And the informal uh, structure takes time to establish. Now, I don't know why the vaccine suddenly goes away. Something got to do with uh, Zoom, but it's okay. Um, you saw me, I was there. The entrepreneur can benefit from assets of a newness. Established routine can be liabilities when the firm faces the changes. So if you have a certain routines that you need to do, uh, it can be liable for you, especially in the new market or new places that you need to work on it or in new conditions. And the previous practice might create also momentum redirection is difficult. So you've been doing the work this way and when you move into a new market or establish a new company, you take this some habit, which is it's not necessary with this newness and it's difficult to have these people adjust to it and it's liability. So a heightened ability to learn the new knowledge is a source of competitive advantage. An entrepreneur always curious about learning and they want to learn, uh, gain experience. And this is where you're competitive advantage. The new venture have a strategy. Um, the new venture have a strategic advantage over the mature company, particularly when um, in when you are in a dynamic environment because dynamic environment means you come with a new venture, newness, and you shape it up easily than if you have an old company who can, you know, they are not easy to adjust. As they say, you cannot teach an old dog a new trick. So old companies usually, they, it's very difficult to teach them a new tricks. Now, so this is the end of the chapter, chapter three, and we will be, next class, we'll be talking about chapter four. Thank you, and we'll continue.